Enter dog, come on. Well, I'll be greased and fried. What in blue blazes the circus doing up in these parts? Yeah, I love the circus. Come on, maybe we can get us some free passes. Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait, You Haven't Seen. It's a show where we talk about movies and specifically we talk about a movie at least one of us has never seen before. I'm your host Travis, aka TV's Travis. This is episode number 234 and our movie this week is 1988's Killer Clowns from Outer Space and joining me from the Monster Madness podcast, it's Matt. Matt, how you doing? I am, well, I was better before I watched this movie. Um, but how are you? <laughs> uh, all right. So killer clowns from outer space. Now we were, we kicked around some ideas and this is the one that we ended up coming up with. You had never seen this before. Correct. Tell me though, what, what kind of history or knowledge did you have of it prior to watching it for this? Um, not, not really a ton. <clears throat> um, I, it's weird. It's one of those movies that people always made out to be like such a great classic movie. You know, so um, I go down to Chicago a couple times a year for horror conventions. And one of the guys there is always wearing a killer clown shirt one one day of the weekend. And then I hear that they're putting out a video game. And then I'm like, okay, I probably should watch this, especially because I'm sure I'll play the game. Um, And then this opportunity came up and I'm like, I can finally watch it because I couldn't tell you how many times I was like, today's the day. And then I'd sit down. I'm like, "Mm, let's watch literally anything else. (laughs) Um, And now I know why it was always literally anything else. That's fair. So um, I did not see this movie for the first time until in the last couple of years, actually. I had mm-hmm. sort of the same thing. You always heard about it. It's a, The title tells you what you need to know about this movie, like going into it. And But it was one, my younger self was very much of like, the, I'm not going to like that. That's going to be stupid. I'm not going to waste my time on that. As I've gotten older, I've embraced more of sort of schlocky b monster movies um i think also doing the gore podcast that i co-host where we do nothing but horror i have seen some truly truly bad stuff in that and something like this which we covered on that show i found to be campy and just silly fun Mm. because i sort of had lowered my expectations enough by this point to to just be like whatever it, like as long as it's an hour and a half long and can keep my attention uh, i'll probably enjoy it and to the credit of the filmmakers it's an hour and 26 minutes long and they don't ever take themselves seriously in this movie nope. and there's definitely a time in my life where i would have absolutely hated that i appreciate it more now because i sort mm. of get the idea of Kind of that John Waters or um, uh, like uh, trauma films type idea where we're just going to take a really insane premise, like napkin idea, write down a title and then build a movie around that. And that's sort of what it feels like the the Chiodo brothers did with this. Um, this was came out in 1988, uh, directed by and written by uh, Stephen and Charles Chiodo and Edward Chiodo as well. They're brothers. They were their special effects guys. That's what they did. Um, prior to this and this was just them deciding we want to make a movie and going for just the dumbest idea possible killer clowns from outer space <laughs> and 
like I kind of have to give them credit for that. Like just go for it. They had like a $2 million budget to make this in 1987, 88. And most of that went to production, not special effects. Um, they did a lot of that themselves with the clown costumes and everything. Um, the rest of it was production. There were, there were some things I'll, uh, we'll, we'll get into and talk about a couple of like stunts that didn't go quite the way that they wanted them to. But basically the thing with this movie is it's effectively just a bunch of vignettes loosely, very loosely tied together. Um, you find that a lot with comedies. At least I have found that. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. Like a lot of comedies are basically that because let's face it. If you're writing uh, a script, if you're writing a story, it's hard to come up with like a cohesive story that lasts for an hour and a half. And especially when you're dealing with comedy, <laughs> it's even harder. Um, and then ending stuff is really difficult. So you just sort of cut and move on to the next thing. And that's kind of what they did here a lot uh, was a lot of this movie is just these weird, grotesque clowns harassing a small towns full of people uh, in a lot of ways. Yeah, it didn't make much sense. And and I, <laughs> I guess I want to preface this entire conversation with if I would have seen this in high school, I probably would have loved this movie. It's the fact that I watched it in 2023 <laughs> for the first time that I was like, this is not great. But um, I, I, I guess I can see why people like it so much. But to your point is, yes, the, the, the story is not great. It's like they had a bunch of scattered ideas that they just kind of like jammed together. And they're like, we have a movie mm -hmm. now. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. Um, now, what I will give them credit for is they also don't try to overexplain it, um, which I think no. would be far worse. Like they just hand wave it away. Like the sort of the director and the writers kind of knowing, like, look, we know why you're here. You're here because of this title. Here's some clowns. Ha have have fun. Catchy, catchy ass song. The the theme song mm -hmm. is uh, incredibly catchy. And the rest of the music does keep you at least kept me, you know, at least entertained um, mm -hmm. for the silliness of it all, if nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. It aided in the fun of the, the movie. Like, mm -hmm. like, you, like we both said, I mean, it's comedy. It's not meant to be serious. So that's all yeah. they had to do is create 90 minutes of fun, not even, you know, close to 90 minutes of fun. And it clearly did really well. When the box office was 43 million and you said the budget was two. So like, and they're talking about a yeah. sequel. I don't know whatever happened with that, but uh, they've talked about a sequel for many, many years. I don't know. I think the sequel sort of became the video game that's going to come out next year. Um, mm. I think is when it's going to be released now. So it's really tough to say Th this was a strange one in terms of like your, your main cast are a bunch of kind of not necessarily no names, but nobody that you've really heard of or has done a whole lot of, uh, big name stuff. I mean, Grant Kramer, John Nelson, um, Suzanne Snyder, they're not really known for a whole lot. They worked. They worked for a while, a lot of television stuff. Um, I will say the the weakest thing in this entire comedy was the forced comic relief of the Terenzi brothers. The, the guys with the uh, ice cream truck, which yep. was... One of my things in one of my notes watching it this time was like, you know, the adult themed ice cream truck and like that idea while they're getting all hate now or at, at the time, like that thing would kill right now. Like there are yep. definitely people that would love that in today's mm -hmm. kind of world. Um, but those two, it was uh, Michael Siegel and uh, Peter Lacasse. They were a comedy duo, um, I think in L.A. 
that did like stand up comedy and kind of comedy shows, they were the weakest part of this. So they just felt horribly tacked on in every single scene. Um, if you watch any YouTube reviews of this movie, most YouTube reviewers spend half the time just waiting for those two characters to get killed by the clowns. <laughs> I mean, like, I feel can, like can... they were. Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, I was going to say, so I feel like they were um, kind of just there for more comedic relief and for more people to kill, like take mm-hmm. them out of the, take them out of the movie and it takes nothing away other than time. Right. So yeah. back to the entire concept that we talked about is I think it was just like, well, they probably wrote a movie and they're like, we're about 20 minutes short. Let's make two characters, <laughs> yeah. give them something dumb, and then we'll kill them. And that, there's our time. In fact, I would also posit, and I bet you anything, there was at least one person involved in the making of this that was like a theater kid and wanted those <laughs> two to be like the minstrels from a <clears throat> Shakespearean play. Yeah, I was going to say it might be like the Slipknot effect where like they were friends of friends and they really wanted to be in the band and they're like, whatever, you can play a tambourine or something. (laughs) There you go. So, you know, they're they're fine. Now, I will say that while they annoyed the hell out of me, I absolutely loved two characters in this movie and it's because of the two actors that they had for it. First one, we already heard him. It's Farmer Gene Green is what he's credited as. It's Royal Dano as the old man, the old farmer that goes with his dog and checks out the, the thing. Now, Royal Dano, by this point, was at the at tail end of his career. He only, um, I think he died just a couple years after this. But he had been in Westerns all the way back into the 40s and 50s and done all sorts of stuff. I remember him from, do you remember the movie House? Um. Yes. I, I Honestly, it's, it's another one I haven't seen. But I've seen the name a bunch. Yeah. I know. I haven't seen like a ton of classics, but I've seen Taint, Light, and Slaw. No, oh, well. <laughs> so Judy's House. has got some wild movies. Yeah, it does. House was, was a, you know, a pretty good um, movie, but they also made a sequel to it that's virtually unrelated called House 2, The Second Story. And in that, Royal Dano plays a character called Gramps. And it was a movie that I saw as a very young child because it's like a, almost PG rated horror movie. Like it's not a horror movie really at all. It's not scary except for one character. Um, but it was just a movie we happened to have on tape for some reason. I don't even remember how, and I just loved it. And Royal Dano plays the character of Gramps. And he was, that movie was one that I just saw so much as a kid. So when I see him and I hear his voice, he's got that kind of voice. And in this, you could tell he was just having fun, like just going crazy. And uh, he had that big old bloodhound. And he's playing that super tropey character of like just the the crazy old farmer, whatever, uh, that sees the the thing in the sky. But I loved him. And then the other one is also the objectively worst character in this entire movie and the true villain in my mind. And that's Officer Curtis Mooney, played by John Vernon, because he's just a terrible. He's, he's awful. Like the the town is being overrun by insane alien clowns, and he's refusing to even take phone calls from people. Um, which I love again, it's that trope, but that's John Vernon. This now he's an actor you recognize, even if you don't recognize him, you do, you've seen him or heard him in something because he has done, he has been acting since I want to say the fifties. Um, but he also does a ton of voice work in, in animation and video games. Um, do you remember, uh, Batman, the animated series? Did you ever watch that? Uh, here and there afternoons. 
he was he played Rupert Thorne, like the big criminal boss in that. Oh. Um, and he was in. Uh, he did in like uh, the Spider-Man cartoon. He'd show up. He showed up in um, the Hulk card, like a, m- a lot of Marvel and, and DC cartoons in the 90s. But he also is Dean Wormer from National Lampoon's Animal House, which is possibly the thing he's most known for. Yep. Yep. I see. He also was the voice of the prosecutor in Heavy Metal, the original Heavy yeah. Metal. Mm-hmm. Man, yeah, it's yeah, wild he, stuff this guy's done. And, and he's always he's so good at playing these like uptight villainous characters you know the mayor and dirty harry uh dean wormer those kinds of characters and so this is like the perfect distillation of all of those into one like he's just he's terrible and you don't feel bad for him at all at any point um and when he dies it's like yes good he deserved to die he deserved to and of course they foreshadow it i love that you're not going to turn me into a dummy it's like oh Oh yeah, you literally be- about that. that. Although I will say, so this movie, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, right? It's an '80s horror movie, but it's PG-13. And if you really think about it, there's a lot of killings in it, but most of that is just people getting wrapped up into cotton candy. Yep. Like, with the exception of the clown that punches the guy's head clean off his shoulders, which I don't know if that inspired. Jason takes Manhattan to do the same gag like a year later. Cause I think it was right around the same time or not. Yeah. Who knows? But aside from that one, the only other really death that had any blood to it was, um, officer Mooney. And it was pretty brutal because he's sitting there as the marionette. And then you see the clown, like pull his hand out and it's covered in blood and you, and he shakes it and you hear like the slap of the blood coming off and hitting the ground. And I was, it sort of this watching surprised me a little bit more because I was like, oh, this is as horror movies go. It's fairly tame because it's just a lot of like silly clown deaths. And then that one seemed like they wanted to make that a little more visceral, um, which, again, was earned because Mooney was terrible from the get go. Like the first <laughs> moment you see him, he's just awful. And and I loved it. John Vernon is just so good. He also gets because it's PG-13. He gets their one F-bomb. And listen, if you're making a movie and it's PG 13 and you get one F bomb, you give it to John Vernon. Like that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> There's no better person to do it. And he delivers it so well. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, those two are what make the movie for me. Like the rest of the actors, eh, whatever, take them or leave them. In fact, I don't, it's nothing against Grant Kramer as Mike, who, by the way, his uh, full name is credited as Mike tobacco. I don't know why I, it's Mike. I tobacco. saw that. Yeah, like what? Okay, I mean, whatever. If that's what, that's what you're into, but but like his performance was he he felt like he was reading lines all the time. You know, it was very yeah. he was very fast with all of his readings and everything. Um, but yeah, just John Vernon, Royal Dano carried this movie for me. Like they make it enjoyable and memorable for me. Them and the clowns. Yeah, well, and and kind of, I mean, I guess there's a reason that you've never heard of that guy. Other than this, I mean, obviously, the people mm-hmm. that we mentioned who have done a bunch of stuff were clearly carrying the the movie from the acting pr- perspective. Um, Grant Kramer as Mike Tobacco, a pretty forgettable character and a pretty forgettable actor. So, uh, yeah, naturally, I, and, and I guess if I was thinking this one through, I would have opened up his Wikipedia page. I mean, he's been in a bunch of stuff, but like an inconvenient woman. Never heard of that. 
Yeah. Most of what the main three had been in are either like parts, of, you know, in an episode of a TV show here or there, um, or kind of lesser known uh, direct to video or B movies. It's a lot of that. Um, I stand yeah. corrected. Mike Kramer was in Willie's Wonderland. Oh, that's right. See, what? I didn't love Willie's Wonderland. And so maybe I think I remember seeing him, though, and thinking, oh, yeah, I've seen that face before. Willie's Wonderland. I am a Nick Cage super fan, as anyone knows that that listens to this show. My problem with Willie's Wonderland was it got a little bit repetitive. It felt like it was 45 minutes worth of an hour and a half long movie. Like they needed just I needed just one more one or two more little story beats. Well, you're, kind so of, you're familiar with how that came about, right? I know we're not talking about Willie's yeah. Wonderland, but we're, well, we're on the topic. So I feel like they had to strip sure. out absolutely everything Five Nights at Freddy's to make mm-hmm. it Willie's Wonderland. And that's what you get. You get a movie where Nick Cage yeah. has zero lines. And that was probably my mm-hmm. favorite part is how you always were waiting for him to talk. And he never did. And yeah. then that was that was the most memorable part to me is that he says not a word. It was my thoughts on Willie's Wonderland was I wanted to like it more than I did. Because at some Same. point, I just got to a rinse and repeat uh, mentality with it. And I, and, and I, and I kind of get it. But, you know, it's, t- it's tough to do. Like, Killer Clowns is an example of the same style of movie that Willy's Wonderland is trying to be as well. It's not easy to make a movie that is <laughs> kind of a very loose plot. Um and throwing a bunch of stuff out there and make it something that is memorable. Now, this obviously this movie had the the help of being a in an eighties film, and it's coming out in that era of either like this was around the time I think the Blob remake was like a year before this or a year after this. I can't was that eighty seven or eighty nine? I don't remember, but it was around late eighties. We had the stuff. We had um, you know all these kind of b movie either new ones or remakes and this slotted right in there which is it was sort of a prime time for that and they just took a a a silly premise and just ran with it and i forgot to mention one cast member who's only in a couple of shots but a very young christopher titus is in this movie and i loved him he's the kid with the glasses at the very beginning of it's drinking the beer brand beer yep and then we see him once again up at the top of the world um, and then we never see him again. Uh, but, um, yeah, that was Christopher Titus, which I always get a kick out of. And I forget every single time, um, that it was him, but, uh, no, so as, in terms of like B movies, which is exactly what this is, what, what kinds of those kind of, do those ever work for you? Or is that really not kind of in your wheelhouse? No, and they definitely do. I mean, so like in high school, so <laughs> I got in a lot of trouble in high school. So I had to like find different friends. I went to mm-hmm. private schools. So it's like you, you, you're just born to act out when you go to private schools. So when I found friends, and I'm still friends with these guys to this day, but they didn't drink and they didn't go out and stuff like that. So what we would do on Friday nights uh, was just go to family video and rent horror movies just based on the box. So it's like, that's all we did. So like Slumber Party Massacre 2 is probably mm-hmm. one of my favorites from doing that. Um, so I have absolutely no issue with B horror movies. Um, depend on where your your line of, of B is. Like uh, yeah. D. Snyder's Strangeland is a personal favorite of mine because okay. 
kind of what I was saying with this is had I seen this when I was in high school, it would probably resonate a lot more and I would I would really like it. Strange Land mm-hmm. is that movie. It's not a good gotcha. movie. It it, mm-hmm. it the best soundtrack of all time for when that movie came out, but that movie is a stamp in that time in history. It will never ever oh, work. Yeah. So it's like I love that movie for that. Corey and I did it on a podcast of terror and he didn't care for it, but he had never seen it. And I was like, on the whole time, I'm like, this is, this is great. So uh, to your question is it, it, I'm for whatever I like. There's no, <laughs> like, well, I don't, I won't watch B horror movies because they're bad or whatever. It's, I just want to be entertained. And nowadays it's easier said than done. Um, just because of the amount of stuff that's out there we are really lousy with choice right like we just have so mm-hmm. much at our fingertips uh to be able to watch at any time um and i think that's where like a film like this when it came out it did get a theatrical release didn't do great um and then but it made it made itself up in uh in cult status with like home video and sort of word of mouth um it ended up doing okay the, uh, theatrically and I think it's been re-released at least once but it was that time where cult movies could really be born because um, you can't force that either like you can try to make a movie that's a cult classic but it doesn't always work and in fact I think more times than not if you try to make it that it sort of doesn't work you have to do something earnestly but also kind of lean into the ridiculousness. And that's what works here for me is like everybody making this movie knew what they were making from the moment they, they signed on to make killer clowns from outer space. They knew what film they were working on, but they don't half-ass it. They don't cheap out on it. They go with, they, they go with the gags. It's sort of the, um, it's like when you work with the Muppets, like Michael Caine in the Muppet Christmas Carol works because he is not at all he is acting as though he is on stage with a bunch of shakespearean actors and not muppets and that's what works there that's what makes all those scenes work that's what makes this work is like john vernon shows up knowing who curtis mooney is as a character and who he's supposed to be and he just goes for it and just says all right give me all the scenery you can i'm gonna chew the shit out of it (laughs) and do you do you think so that i mean this came out in a time where slasher uh slasher movies were coming out like hotcakes you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. everyone was making 10 sequels so to me it almost feels like they thought that they had a billion dollar idea and they're like we're gonna make 15 of these things and then they just made one and it kind of just stopped which sucks but yeah oh i'm sure that they thought they could be make more of these um and maybe hoped to but i think that smartly they didn't make this it doesn't feel watching it for me now like they made this with the idea they were going to continue making more of them they made this and said all right if this is going to do great and then we can continue on but they they put everything into this so like those because those clowns i have to say even though there's a couple of shots where you can see like a visible zipper on the back of a clown head or something like that yeah those those clown masks are really good they're just they're they're the right mix of kind of creepy grotesque but then silly at the same time and they got a bunch of people they got i don't know how many of them were wearing platforms but they had some really tall people in there mm-hmm. those clowns were big and just it worked like that all looked great the gags and all the clown stuff 
um, they put a lot of effort into that. Which and, it's funny you mentioned that because um, it, it was like the, the, some of the details, some of the small things that people may not consider were, mm -hmm. when you think about it, perfect. It's like, okay, oh, so yeah. a clown from outer space, what are they going to do? Well, they're going to they're gonna put someone in a cocoon of cotton candy naturally. Mm -hmm. It's like you don't just, even the popcorn gun, like yeah. nothing, when I thought of killer clowns from outer space, neither of those two things were what I thought it would go, but it's it perfect and it's it works really well with this movie. Yeah, yeah, the idea of, you know, their, their spaceship looks like a big top yep. um, and then it's at an actual top when it comes out of the ground. Um, but they've got like the clown that makes the balloon animal uh, dog and then it's like a bloodhound. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought it was cool. So they got like Matt, you know, their, their powers extend to like balloon animals, the cotton candy thing, uh, popping out of pizza boxes, doing the puppets and all of that kind of stuff. Like they just, th there was something they did good. Now these guys were known for, they worked on um, actually uh, Steven Chiodo was the principal puppeteer for team America world police. Oh, wow. Um, so he'd worked on that. He'd worked on, uh, they'd worked on Screamers was, uh, was one that they did um, those uh, little Screamer bots or not bots, the little creatures, whatever they were. Like they did the, the stop motion stuff there. Um, they had done effects on, let's see, what was something else that they had done? All of the Critters um, movies? Yeah, the critter stuff was all they they created the little critters, you know, all that kind of stuff. Wow. So that that's what their background was in, and so like knowing that, I'm not surprised that the story was pretty loose and pretty simple because they're not they're not story people, right? They're they're effects people. Mm -hmm. So they just oh, Ernest Scared Stupid was another one that's a favorite of mine from my childhood. <laughs> it's such a good movie, <laughs> um, and they actually reused some of these clown masks as trolls um, in Ernest Scared Stupid. They just oh really. Them. So, huh. um, which kind of explains why those trolls in that movie scared the crap out of me as a kid, because <laughs> they were, they were rough to watch, like rough to see at that age. Um, but, oh, wow. The, uh, sorry. They, they worked on UHF, mm -hmm. which was a, yeah. another personal favorite of mine. Oh, wow. great movie. Great this movie. Incredible. Um, now originally the, um, clownzilla, the big clown at the end was going to be stop motion, but they just couldn't make it look right they couldn't get the they didn't have enough time enough budget to to make it right so that's why they ended up just doing a suit and having a miniature truck um i think that worked better personally i like the I look of that, that. Mm -hmm. um and it's it's funny because you can if you want to nitpick through you can start to see the low budget in that third act because everything is just like black backgrounds and you can tell they're like, oh, we've got a soundstage. We can dress part of it and use that and then just use the same stage and redress it. Um, but, you know, because they're inside a spaceship, they can get away with that, too. So yep. it's like yep. that's some of that B-movie stuff that just it shouldn't work. It should annoy me as a, as a film person, but it doesn't. I'm like, no, nah, it's cool. Whatever. You know, you're making a you're making movie using spit and duct tape like. That's all you got. It's that um, kind of Roger Corman filmmaking of like, what's the cheapest and fastest we can do this? Well, and I think there's there's two ways you can look at it in terms of someone who likes movies. And I'll equate it to music. It's like there are people who just like music to like music. Mm -hmm. Then there are people who pick it apart. It's the same with movies. You can like movies to like movies or you're going to pick them apart for whatever reason. So mm -hmm. I'm the same with you. Is like, I just want to enjoy it. I don't really... 
something I've always complained about is like, I don't necessarily enjoy being spoon fed like directly, but I don't, Mm. I don't want to have to spend a ton of time thinking. Like I think 40 hours a week when I watch a movie, I just want to be entertained. Um, and that's like, I just recently, someone explained to me what Donnie Darko was about. And like, I rewatched oh. it because it had been a really long time. I watched like YouTube explanations because I'm the <laughs> dumb idiot. And I'm like, I don't really know what the hell's going on. And she goes, well, it's astral projection. And I'm like, okay, like, I, I, <laughs> that's thanks, but that's not really what I wanted. So I'm on, I'm on your side. Like just, I don't care if it's cheap. I don't care if you reuse stuff. I don't care if I see zippers, like just entertain me. Well, and, and it's funny because it really, for me, it's it's a total mood dependent thing. Like a couple of weeks ago, I watched Annihilation for the first time with Natalie Portman. And wow. that is a movie that does not spoon feed you anything. And it makes you ask a whole bunch of questions and then says, nope, we're not going to answer any of those. We're just going to, here. here's some weird stuff. Enjoy. Um, it's a, that's how I feel every time I watch something directed by David Lynch. Like it's... <laughs> And and Lynch Lynch will do that. Um, I've said this a few times. People are probably tired of me talking about it, but they had on uh, the last drive-in with Joe Bob um, this past season. He had Phil Tippett on talking about his movie Mad God, and Joe Bob asked him, "Well, what's this movie about?" And Phil looked at him and said, "Oh, it's about eighty-five minutes." And like it was a great response because. Watching that movie, I still have no idea what the hell that movie was about. Like, it was just insane. And I'm fine with stuff like that, too. Like, I love that kind of just weird art for art's sake. But I also can then turn around and watch this and just be like, nah, just give me something dumb and fun. Like, give me a dumb yeah. action movie. Let me let me watch Jackie Chan for an hour and a half, jump across an alleyway, scale a building, and like you know drive a car like nobody should be able to because it's just fun stunt work like i i, I yeah, like so all of that i i think i think there's merit in both you know mm-hmm. so like uh so I, I i play in a band i don't write the vocals but i, I pay attention to him because it's whatever our vocalist mm-hmm. is an english major and he goes people are always like what is this about and he goes all i ever do is just say what does it mean to you because yeah. it's it's I think it's easier to connect with your audience if you leave it up to them to decide or to determine what it means. And then you yes. just like, there you go. That's exactly what you're going for. So I appreciate that. But as a human being, I, I like to know what it is supposed to be about, not what I'm interpreting it to be about. So I, I guess uh, in terms of Annihilation, which I've never seen and I have no interest in seeing, although now that we've talked about it, I may go watch it. Um I guess I would be curious to see how I can correlate it to myself as opposed to what the writers were trying to get across. Yeah. And I think like stuff like that, it just depends sort of on where you are when you see the thing. Like you've said a couple of times now, if you had seen this in high school, you'd probably loved it and it would be completely different than it is now because you are not the same person you were in high school. You've got all sorts of different experiences and baggage and all of that. It's kind of like see a movie and when I was younger that I didn't like, um, my example, my, my, always my example is event horizon. I went and saw event horizon in the theater was not prepared for what that movie was. Didn't like it. came away with just a, just a, a bad view of that movie. Watched it again. A couple of years later, I had changed a little bit of what I thought about movies because you know, that movie came out when I was 16, 17 and now I was 19, 20 watching it again. 
and in a different headspace, I was a different person. And suddenly I really liked it because I just had, I had changed over those couple of years. And I've done that with mm -hmm. a few movies and there's some that I've watched and I go back and I watch them now and I'm like, okay, I understand why I liked that as a kid, but yep. it didn't grow with me in the same way. I think that's the, the beauty of media as a whole is you see mm -hmm. something when you're younger, you, whether you like it or not, you can revisit it. And you, with, a, uh, with life experiences as your, your kind of your lens, you can take more out of it and yeah. you either love it for nostalgia or you love it because you understand it better or whatever. But I, I do believe that that is probably why I spend so much time watching movies and TV and all that stuff. So yeah, it, it's Music. kind of the beauty of, of everything. Music too. Yeah. Yeah. Music is the big one for me. Like I, I listen to, because mu music is one of those things for most people. And I take a lot of musicians out of this because you're, it's, it, you have a different mentality when it comes to it in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's just a well, different yeah. thing. But like from, for your typical person, you sort of listen to music and you reach a certain point and you stop going after new stuff and you just listen to the same music over and over. And that's why you've got these radio stations like, there's radio stations around me here that still play the same songs they were playing 30 and 40 years ago. It's just the same rotation of music because that's all these, you know, certain people that listen to it want to hear. It's called and the oldies station. Yeah. Although they don't call them oldies anymore. It's classic rock now. Shut up. Yeah. I, think I, I know. Something's like, I, I just turned on the classic rock station. And they played Blink-182 and I'm like, oh no. Oh, there was a great thing I read. Somebody was talking about, um, they were, they were aiming this at authors and saying, look, your 22 year old protagonist does not, they view Blink-182 as a classic rock band. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they named all this stuff and I was just like, I was targeted by all of it and just getting hit left and right. And like, okay, yes, I'm old. I get it. Um, but like for me, music is one of those things. I go back and I, I do listen to a lot of music I listened to in high school still, but some of it, that I used to listen to, I listen to now. And I'm like, why did I enjoy this? This is not like, it's objectively not that great. Whereas it like musically, it just doesn't hold up like it did. And other stuff were from the same era. I listened to I'm like, how did I not start listening to this earlier in my life? Like I is even better the more I hear it. And so uh, that's my thing. I'm with you with media. Like I just love consuming it because there's so much to be taken from it. Something as simple as a dumb idea, like killer clowns from outer. We're going to make a movie about a bunch of circus clown aliens. We don't, we're not even going to explain why they're here. I did like in the movie that scene though, where they're talking about the reasons and they're all coming up with their, like the one guy's like, maybe this is why we have clowns in the first place and why some people are scared of them. And the other guy's like, Maybe they were just cruising around and wanted a bite to eat. Right. You know, who knows? I kind of, you know, it, the movie was self-aware enough to, to give you that too. But I just, I, I think that there's, that's one of the beauties of media is all the different forms that it can take and how it can mm -hmm. be something to everyone. Well, with the exception of The Room. Um, I don't, I don't like that movie at all. I, I have never seen it. But I did see um, what was the the documentary? Oh, the disaster uh, artist. Disaster artist, yeah. And that was enough for me. Like I, I get the jokes, I get the memes. Uh, I don't ever need yeah. to see that movie. I don't understand. That's like, um, have you seen Manos in the Hands of Fate? Yeah, yeah, garbage, absolutely mm -hmm. no, atrocious, it's terrible, terrible movie. But 
it has such a cult following that there's uh, someone made a video game that's on Steam. There was a Kickstarter for a sequel. It's like everything has a place. Just because I hate it doesn't mean you hate it. Mm -hmm. And I, that's just the beauty of everything. As long as you can have an open mind, you may find something. You oh, like yeah. It. No, look, if somebody, the, for those that, that really love the room and go to the midnight showings, because that's where I saw it, was at like one of those late night showings with people throwing spoons and it was a very Rocky horror picture show environment for that movie. Still didn't like the movie. So, but rock now Rocky horror picture show. Love that. I don't know why. I don't know why that one works for me and the room doesn't, but certain things just connect with you. Um, and, uh, and that's like, that's the beauty of it is I won't ever talk down or, or like put down somebody who likes a thing because it, it connected with them in some way. Um, well, as long like as Nicole it's not Black. harmful. Okay. I mean, there are certain lines we can't cross. <laughs> touche, touche. You know, and, but, and, and as long as it's not harmful to other people as well. Like that's a, that's, that's a whole and, different argument. Right. <laughs> and you're, you're making a very great point before I jammed a not great joke in there, but <laughs> there's, you know, my, my mom always told me there's a lid for every pot. So mm -hmm. like legitimately there is something for everyone. And I, I guess my main complaint is not that Nickelback is a band. It's that there's a market for Nickelback. And that there's a large enough market that they're still selling. I think they, they just recently sold out the amphitheater in Milwaukee and it was like 17, 18,000 people. Like, oh, yeah. Good for them. Yeah, I wish I was doing that. I can't get seven people to come see us. <laughs> what well, was um, growing up? So my, uh, my high school cross country team, we had um, one of the guys, my freshman year, one of the upperclassmen had an album. It was sugar Ray's lemonade and brownies. <laughs> and, we used a song off of that was our team anthem. It was Mean Machine it was our team anthem, right? That was a song. We would play that. One of the guys would play it before every race to get everybody hyped up. And I love that album. And their second album came out. I loved the second album, but it also had the song Fly on there, which became a super mega ultra hit. And by their third album, it was everything was more like Fly and less like Mean Machine. And I remember seeing a uh, an interview with Mark McGrath talking about that. And say what you want about Mark McGrath, but I will respect him for this, which was people said we sold out. We sold out. Yeah, we did sell out for a whole lot of money. And it's like, hey, yeah. that's what you want out of it. Go for it, dude. Like more power to you. You know, you did. You are getting out of it what you want. Um, yeah, I, I, I recently saw something and it was uh, they were talking to John Popper and I can't recall. I'm not a big Blues Traveler fan, but the, the name of the song that made them what they are. And he said, I don't care who you are, but he goes, you come up to me on the street with a harmonica and say, play that song. He goes, I'm going to play that song and I'm going to play that song like it's the first time I've ever played it. He goes, because that pays all of my bills. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. You know, another argument is I don't care for the band Disturbed, but if they were like, hey, do you want to quit your job, make way more money and play drums in this band? I would leave everything in a heartbeat. Like, absolutely. Like, I would love that. So everyone has a price. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, sure. Uh, the, the, uh, I always bring up the Michael Caine line. You know, I've never seen Jaws the Revenge, but I do very much enjoy the house that it helped me buy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, it's, it's good for them. And, and I mean, that's, that's sort of the balance, right? It's the, you want to do the art. And there are some artists who do sort of embrace the starving artist and like turn things down. Mm -hmm. But they're, they're very rare. There are some people that get into it as a, I just want to make money business. Yep. 
there's a there's a nice crossover of most most artists I have found really do want to make art, but they also want to you know eat and maybe have a house or at least mm-hmm. a roof. So it's that balancing thing that you do, and right, um, right. and and so I, like I never begrudge an actor for being in a bad movie because they got paid for it whatever it was, either they got paid for it or they took a role because they wanted to work with this specific person. That's another one. Like, yeah, it'll happen. You know, if you're not a, even if you're not a Wes Anderson fan, although I am, um, I love his movies just because there's something very distinct about them, but there's also actors that take a pay cut to work with him, but then they'll, so they'll turn around and do a big budget thing, or they may not love doing a Marvel movie, but they'll take a role in a Marvel movie because it pays them well. And I'm fine with stuff like that. Like you gotta, gotta balance those things out. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you can do your passion projects like the Chiodo brothers getting to make this movie. And, you know, we, I'm sure it was a big thrill for them to get to work with guys like John Vernon and Royal Dano, because you got to feel like I'm they, sure. those were names that they just loved. And I'm kind of surprised, honestly, that the Chiodos didn't, haven't done more than they did like they did a lot of creature effect stuff um as i mentioned and we talked about but like more films that they were sort of directing or producing they didn't really like they produce uh chiodos produced a few nothing you've ever heard of uh but they did work on freaked i don't know if you ever saw that with alex winter Mm-mm. i just saw that for the um, first time that's a w- weird movie never mind i think i think Corey and i did it on podcast here uh he like turns into a spider or some something weird yeah he turns, he turns into, into weird... something yeah yeah, right. it's got Randy Quaid in it. Um, but like a lot of the stuff that he pro- that uh, Chiodo has produced or the Chiodo brothers have produced has been, you know, a lot of these like low budget schlocky things. Um, I do hope at some point maybe they'll get to do there, there was talk they wanted to do a sequel movie trilogy and like a series. I don't know how much you could do in a series on this kind of stuff. It's like this doesn't feel like an idea that has a lot of legs to it. To me, the killer clowns idea. I feel like the it's, it's, it feels like a limited thing because that joke is only going to take you so far. Um, but I do think a, a newer movie wouldn't be the worst thing in the world because we're sort of in an age of movies too, that can be self-referential and uh, like this movie is without, without going too far. I don't know. It's you got to have the right people in it too, because I think of like, think about some of those, you know, disaster movie, epic movie type parody things that wanted to be what airplane was. Yep. And they failed miserably because they didn't get what made airplane work. That's the thing you worry about. If anybody does a remake, even the people that made the first one doing some of something like killer clowns is not realizing the thing that made killer clowns, the cult classic that it is and learning the wrong lessons. I, I also believe that now when something gets made, um, there's a lot of hands that are involved and a lot of mm-hmm. money that's involved. And you generally have to do what the money tells you to do. So yeah. as much as everyone thinks that a sequel would be great, maybe if you crowdfund it, you could do exactly what you wanted to do, but you get a studio involved and someone with deep pocket shows up and you're going to end up making a movie they want, or they're going to cut things out that they don't want or, or, or whatever. But I, I think you could you could do um, you could do a, a, a prequel per se. You know the clowns were their home planet, where they came from, how did they get here? 
if we yeah. care about that. We we spoon feed a lot now. Consider sure. when when we were kids, you played a Nintendo game. There were no instructions. <laughs> there was no tutorials. You sat down and you figured it out. Now there's an hour explaining what every button does and making sure that you're okay to play this game. Um, so I, I think that you know a prequel or a backstory or something or to that effect could be a good way to, to kickstart this again. But you could also take them to a different area of the planet and mm-hmm. you know interact with those people or something. So I think there's a ton or, or a different planet entirely. It doesn't have to be on Earth. They end up on Mars and whatever. Um, yeah. So I think that there there is room to to kind of grow um, the 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 story but can it be done right and can it be done well is kind of the the bigger question yeah and i mean i would hope so but who knows and there was even studio interference on this movie believe it or not um and it's the dumbest thing too so do you remember the scene where the clowns pull up at the amusement park and there's the lone security guard at the amusement mm-hmm. park yep. and he gets the pies to the face and they melt him. So the Chiodos wanted to get soupy sales to be the security guard because that's what soupy sales was famous for was taking a pie to the face. And the money people were like, nobody's going to know who soupy sales is. No, just have whoever do that. And, you know, I get it from their standpoint, like, in 19, even in 1988, nobody knew who Soupy Sales was. Like, nobody remembered him. I don't know how it is that I even know who that is, but, like, I did. I was impressed. Um, but it's one of those where, in retrospect, thinking about it, that would be such a funny moment to see. But it would be funny for the five people that know who that is. They would be the Leo DiCaprio pointing at the screen saying, oh, it's Soupy Sales. Nobody right. else does, and they've had to pay for that. So... Even in, even a small budget movie like this gets that kind of interference from the money people occasionally. There was also um, the original opening was going to be the scene with the guy driving the car and then the clown comes up alongside him and mm-hmm. they runs him off the road. That was supposed to be the original opening and that was the character that um, Mike talks about finding in the the whatever I can't remember his name now, whatever guy name that he said was in the, the cotton candy. And he says his oh. name over and over, like it's important. Um, that's who that was supposed to be, but they ended up changing things up and deciding to just open with a opening credit shot the way that they did it. And so they took that scene that they had shot, put it in the middle of the movie and just made it random person getting run off the road. So huh. there were a couple of different cuts of this movie where they kind of moved things around a little bit. I think it would be really odd to start the movie that way unless they would have reorganized everything because of, you know, after the credit scene where, um, you know, the farmer and his dog, or you, you see, you see the ship land or whatever, and then they find it yeah. in the woods. So it's like, so how would you make sense of that if they're already on the planet, but then you yeah. see them show up, but whatever, that's getting nitpicky. Um, so I think the decision that they made to move, it was probably the right one. Yeah, I think in the end, like the way that everything flows together, it works a lot better. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I also love there's a famous gaffe in this um, when uh, Royal Dano goes into his house to get like his bucket or his whatever and comes back out um, after seeing the thing crash. If you're looking in the background, you can see the prop master like standing in the house and slowly backing up to get out of frame. 
Like he's oh. backing up into a shadow. So if you if you do if you ever do watch it again, pay attention to that. He you can see him through the screen of the door. You can just see a dude standing there, like slowly backing up because they're like, "Oh That's shit, awesome. you're in the you're in the frame, dude." Um, <laughs> I love stuff like that, like little little things like that. It was like watching it this time. I noticed when the little clown comes up to the bikers, when he turns around, you just see the zipper going all the way up the back of the the mask, like just blatantly there. I was like, "Oh, I never noticed that before." Maybe. <laughs> Maybe because it's high def now, that, that helps. Like uh, that's possible. Old VHS, you're not going to notice that because it's just not high enough. It's not good enough fidelity. So now um, you got to go back and watch it on VHS to see if you can see the zipper. Yeah, that's true. I know somebody who's got a lot of VHS stuff. I could probably get him to. to, to Oddly, so do I. Do you know <laughs> there's a VHS festival in? I think it's Pennsylvania. Doesn't surprise me. VHS and like old uh sort of 80s 90s era tech is is really getting popular i'm i'm i know a few people that like collect crts now and for a while like you couldn't give those things away right i i stumbled um, on an, an instagram page that's just i think it's called like 1980s computer and it was like <laughs> the real i saw was the person loading doom off of a dos prompt and running the game and like i remember like that's uh, that's how i started mm-hmm learning computers oh, yeah. was on dos prompts and, and command prompt and stuff so like it's nostalgic to us but sure kids don't kids don't understand like if you go to your friend's house you know we used to have land parties back in the day and you're carrying around a 50 pound monitor you know and a huge <laughs> yeah. computer and oh, all yeah. that stuff like yeah it's 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 wild yeah having to go in and mess with your irq and dma settings so you could get mm-hmm. the sound right when you were playing wolfenstein 3d right. yeah <laughs> I remember this will date date me a little bit, but um, King's Quest Five. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you ever played the Sierra games, but um, my dad was irate that he had to purchase a mouse because you couldn't. It was like a grid snap cursor, so if you use the arrows, mm-hmm. you can move around, but you couldn't get it to land on the first item you needed to get. Oh, in the game. No, so he was like, "I gotta buy a mouse." I'm like, yeah, well, I remember the Sierra to- games. I I played more LucasArts adventure games than the Sierra ones because. I wasn't very Fair good, enough. and the LucasArts games outside of Maniac Mansion didn't usually kill you, but the Sierra that's, that's games true. were brutal. Yeah, we we had uh, Space Quest, King's Quest, Police Quest. Like I still I still go back and play those once in a while, and mm-hmm. uh, legitimately, uh, I owe everything and my ability to type to Sierra games because it was all time sensitive, and you had to oh, be yeah. able to type quick. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but that was the era, like and at that and that's another thing i think for killer clowns is a movie that i appreciate when i having only seen it for the first time is the the amount of effort and time that went into the visual effects that they used because it's it's either they're making masks they're doing things practically or they're doing like cell animation you know ghostbusters style over top of the film frame for like the the um cotton candy gun or oh, okay. the balloon, like those transitions are that kind of cell frame animation over top of film um, that you would do because there weren't computers to really, they, they certainly didn't have the budget to be working with whatever limited computers were available. Like this ILM isn't working on killer clowns from outer space, certainly not in 1987. Um, but I, I appreciate stuff like that because while some of it hasn't aged that well, again, I come back to those clowns still creepy looking. And they work. Oh, for sure. I think, yeah. too, you know, obviously the fear of clowns is a real thing. So I'm sure that doesn't that that helped them out a lot. 
that's the other that's the other reason why I think um right now is a great time to do a follow-up to that is we've had so much in the way of clown horror movies over the last number of years like the last i would say 10 to 12 years have been maybe even longer than that probably but a lot of you know your terrifiers and clown and all these other ones um kind of going with that idea and and it's not like it's a new thing but it just feels like that kind of a sort of like sharks had for for a good period of time uh yeah a lot of shark horror movies we had a lot of clown horror movies and I would rather, like, I would much rather see a sequel or something from Killer Clowns from Outer, uh, from outer Space than another Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Oh, don't, like, I, don't I mean, I'm sure you're that. aware, but they're making another one. Oh, I know. I know. Yeah, before the turd doing... even came out, they made another one. They're also making a Mary Had a Little Lamb. Uh, uh, did you hear about the Wizard of Oz one? Uh, Gale? Yeah, I'm actually I, yeah. really excited about that. That one looks interesting because like Wizard of Oz is kind of creepy anyway, and especially Return to Oz is yep. nightmare fuel. Um, we talked about that recently on Gore because um, we saw we watched the trailer for Gale. And I'm curious because I like the idea of mm. it seems like it's diving in. There's a lot of psychological stuff going on with the Wizard of Oz in general. So it's kind of ripe territory for that. Yeah, so I guess on the topic of all these horror movies based on children's stories when we were kids is like we we now live in a world where no one has new ideas. Like my wife and I watched Talk to Me uh, last week, like right when it came out mm-hmm. on digital. And both of us were like, that is the first new concept of a horror movie that we have seen in 20 years, 15, 20 years, easily. And like that's why I liked it so much because it was finally something new. You know, we're either remaking, we're making sequels, we're, you know, revisiting, we're just mm-hmm. rehashing old ideas. Like, Smile is, it follows with a different gesture. That's it. Like, it's just, it sucks. And I get it. Like, people, you know, you can't, people are pumping out more and more content quicker and quicker than before. So there's, like, this need to just get it out. But also, like, you you, you spin out. <laughs> Sorry. I know you just swatted at a fly and I know that like yeah. so that made me laugh, but um, it, it's like, I wish we would just, I would rather not have 700 movies a year and get a hundred good ones, but that's not how you make a ton of money. Yeah. It's, it's tough, right? Because like how many variations on the same story can you tell? But at the same time, I also am fascinated sometimes by finding a well-known story and visiting it from a different lens. Um, I will give you that. You know, like, like uh, I love um, one of the reasons that I enjoy the Thirteenth Warrior uh, as a movie and also the book Eaters of the Dead is it's Beowulf, but it was Beowulf through a different lens. Um, there was one that was great. It was it was a lesser known. It was a uh, Dino De Laurentiis production from like 2006. It's got Colin Firth in it. It's called um, uh, shoot, what is it called? It's not the last dragon, the last legion. That's what it is. But it's a, it's a version of sort of a precursor to the Arthurian legend, but it's told through the eyes of the last Roman emperor fleeing to Britannia. And so it was this really cool concept of a story that you know already, or at least you know parts of it already. And it's, it's as the movie is unfolding, you start to figure out like, 
oh, oh, I know where this is going. Like that kind of stuff can be interesting, but you're right. How many times can you tell the same sort of it follows type of thing? And that's another thing is the, there's a fine line between imitation is the sincerest form, sincerest form and just jumping on a bandwagon. I'd say being lazy. Um, you know, have, Halloween have you does great. I haven't yet. And that one is one I kind of, uh, I was interested to see. And that's, that's kind of on the same vein of the topic. You know, it's obviously for anyone that's listening that isn't aware, it's Superman is a child, but it's a horror movie. Like he is mm-hmm. evil. He is not good. Um, I thought it was great, even though it's Superman, you know, um, yeah. I guess they, they announced that they, I think they're trying to make a sequel. Or they're going to be making a sequel. I was pretty excited about that, but highly recommend comics have comics have gotten to do that a little bit over the years usually in sort of dc's else world marvel's what if type stuff is where it gets fascinating with like stuff like superman red sun for instance is a a cool idea for a book like well what happened if superman Mm -hmm. landed somewhere else you know totally different series of events would would unfurl so i like that kind of stuff it's just i'm more uh like I don't mind retelling certain stories as long as you're doing, there's a reason to do it. Yeah. But it's like Halloween comes out. Halloween shows you can in 1978 shows you can make a lower budget, uh, slasher film, very scary one with very little blood in it. Um, but people didn't learn the right lessons for it. Instead, you just churn out a bunch of crap after that. And yes, there's some good stuff that came after it too, but like Friday the 13th, Friday the 13th was famously like the producer saying, Hey, Halloween did great. Let's make that. And, but, but they did at least something a little bit different with it and tried to go in a new direction. Whereas there were other uh, filmmakers that were just like, no, we're just going to remake the same damn thing. Um, And that happens more and more, you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard to do, because sometimes even you can think you've got like kind of a cool idea and then you realize you may even realize partway through, Oh, I'm just making someone else the, this movie over again, or it becomes that other thing too. I mean, you got to wonder how many times that happens where somebody decides they start with a great idea and it just gets taken away from them or it it devolves into whatever it becomes. Right. And and I guess I don't want to like completely, poo-poo on anyone that's ever tried to write anything that turned out to be something similar because I, I do believe that maybe the intention was not to you know mm-hmm. mimic a story it just that's that's what it was at the top of your head you know I, I remember in abandoned high school we were writing a song and you know wrote the whole thing and someone comes in and goes you realize that's just the, the rift of Detroit Rock City that you're doing right there like just <laughs> in a different uh, you know scale or whatever and we're all like shit he's right no intent of doing that. It just happens. So I, I think that could be a lot of what is going on when you have like your it follows and your smile and stuff like that. But um, mm. it, it's always really easy to sit on this side and say what we're saying when you're not trying to write a movie. So I oh, don't yeah, want to sound like I'm being hypercritical and I'm by no means speaking for Travis when, when I say any of that. But, um, it, it, you know, I couldn't do it. I'm just on the the ingestion side of the, the media. So sure. keep making great stuff, and- guys. And the, the thing about it is, it, is that we, while we have so many choices now, and you can sometimes get that choice paralysis, you don't know what to watch, then you get that talk to me that shows up. That is, yep. I mean, the story of that is crazy because those guys were YouTube people. They're YouTube creators and oh. they, 
worked on a bunch of stuff and eventually were able to make this little movie hit some, you know, the festivals with it in Australia and get it picked up and it blows up. And that I saw that and I was blown away by it. Like it was really good. Um, but they started out on YouTube just creating. So it's sort of, it's kind of like with music is the same thing, right? There's a whole lot of bands that a, a style gets popular, a bunch of bands show up that are doing the same thing. Some of them had been doing it for a while before that get lost in the shuffle. Some of them can evolve beyond it and some just sort of do it once, once or twice, and then they fade away. And it's, it's like anything authors do, you know, books, it all goes in cycles, right? Like right now I've noticed musically new metal becoming somewhat popular again, and it wasn't for the longest time. And I, I like that because there's a lot of stuff for me. It's a, it's a lot of nostalgia, but there's a lot of stuff that I Mm -hmm. listen to and I'm discovering some of the bands from that era that I just never like caught on with. And some of the newer bands that are doing similar things or seeing how a band that could start off in that scene, although they're not really part of it as like the Deftones and how they evolved over the years and became something completely different. Stone Temple Pilots was like that 10 years or five years earlier with the grunge movement. Yep. They were lumped in with all the grunge bands, but they weren't a grunge band and they became something different. So you're sort of seeing the same thing with like films and television where something like Stranger Things comes along, right? And it hits that perfect note of like plucking the strings of nostalgia, but doing it in a way that makes sense and kind of works. And then we saw this big wave of 80s themed everything coming off of that because of how popular Stranger Things was. Some of it was okay. Some of it was incredibly derivative, but as that has settled down, we're seeing it kind of wash and come out and we're seeing some of the creators that were inside that wave going on and doing new things. And that's, that's the stuff that I like to see. Yeah. in in kind of like you'd mentioned that the, the guy, the people that did talk to me with YouTube and um, we now have the ability for anyone to get whatever they want out to the masses quickly. And that's mm-hmm. the same, like back in the day, um, being in a band is if you didn't have a record deal, you, your stuff didn't get anywhere. You were hawking out of your yeah. trunk. Well, now we have, you know, YouTube and self-publishing and Spotify and it, but it all adds to, there's just too much. You know, you spend half your time sifting through something to find something decent. By that time, I'm tired. Like it, it's probably <laughs> yeah. nine 15 and I want to go to bed. So yep. it just, it, it kind of sucks. And I think that's why we revisit these older things. We are, we, we, uh, either, you know, I watched this for the first time because I've heard the name you know, for 20, 30 years or whatever it's been. Sure. And that's probably why you go back to the bands and same with me is like, I, it's just easier to go back to what I know. Why do you rewatch the office all the time? Because you know what you're getting. It's easier to just know what you're getting than try something new when there's just too much. Yeah. And, and this show has helped me break that cycle. Some, I still go back and revisit things all the time. You know, I'm, uh, at some point, probably in the next year or so, I'm going to do another watch through of psych because I love that show. And it's just, Mm -hmm. it's like a warm blanket for me, but doing this show has been great for me to break that cycle occasionally and get into like, I saw a movie that, and this one I bring up a lot. So apologies to longtime listeners that are tired of me mentioning this movie, but fish story is a Japanese film. My buddy miles raved about it. So he made me watch it. I sat down, I watched it. I had no idea what it was going in. 
here's the elevator pitch for that movie a, a punk rock group in 1970s in japan write a song that one day saves earth from a, an asteroid it doesn't make any sense at all watch the movie it's not going to make any sense at all but there was something about it that i just loved and it had one of the most punk rock moments of a punk rock band in a film I've ever seen. Like it was just, there's a moment in that movie that feels like the, the essence of punk rock to me from these guys in the scene. And they're just sitting around smoking and, and eating some noodles, but it's this, it was something that I had no expectations going into. I never ever would have, I had never even heard of this movie, let alone thought about watching it. But because I do this show, somebody's like, you got to see this movie sure let's do it i check it out and now it's like i can't i can't stop listening to the song from it and and i just i i love it um and i do think i'm with you it's very easy and comforting to go back to things we know and when you're when you're surrounded with you turn on netflix and it's like well i can scroll through netflix for an hour and a half by which time i could have finished a movie and then you end up either not watching something or you just go back to something you've seen 10 times. Um, it's a, it's an easy thing to do. Uh, I yeah. try to force myself every once in a while because I think it's good for us to, to step out of a comfort zone. Don't do it all the time though. Like don't make yourself do it constantly because it's going to become too difficult, but it's a balance thing. Balance out mm. watching something that you know, and that you know, you like and take a, take a try every once in a while. That's what going to the theater is like for me. And I think why I like it so much still is for me growing up, that was like, oh, this new thing. I know very little about it. I've seen a couple of trailers for it, you know, on TV, or I saw a trailer for it, the last movie I was in, and I want to go check it out. And I may or may not like it. Who knows? Um, that for me, that like, I still get that feeling when I go see something in a theater. Um, so, you know, I always, it, obviously I it's your mileage may vary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always get screwed at theaters because I end up sitting next to someone that I just wish would bury their face in a pillow. Oh, it's but. it's tough. Like I, so I went, I went this past Friday and I saw a haunting in Venice. And oh, okay. how, how was it? I enjoyed I it real quick. I yeah. I love. I'm a sucker for a murder mystery. So like okay. you've already got me at. It's based on an Agatha Christie and it's Poirot and all that fun stuff. But I enjoyed it. And it was, as a theater experience, it was great because it was quiet. There weren't a lot of people there. So I could really focus on the movie. I didn't have any distractions. But the bummer of it was it was opening night at a 7 p.m. showing and there were 20 people there. So it's like, that's not great for the movie no. itself. So it's that no. double-edged sword. Like, I don't, I like going into the theater experience. And I have been very lucky in that most of my experiences have not been terrible. Um but yeah, like other people can ruin that for you. So it's, I know that's a, that's very much a, your mileage may vary thing. Oh, absolutely. And, um, I think the last time we went to a movie, we specifically went to like 11 AM on a Wednesday when we both took a week off of work because yeah. it was literally us and two other people don't even mm -hmm. remember the movie, but I was like, I finally get to enjoy it. Cause we went and saw the nun opening weekend and the lady next to me was like sniffling and coughing and talking the whole time. And I, I was about to say something, but that's like like where we live near Green Bay, Wisconsin. So my wife's mm -hmm. a huge Packer fan. So like once a year, I have to take her to a football game, and she just goes, "I will not let you go to a Bears game." 
because you won't <laughs> be able to keep your mouth shut when people are around. So, so it's like I, I get to a point like I have a, a threshold, and then all bets are off. So mm-hmm. that's just why it's, it's easier to stay home. I'd rather wait, stay home, and enjoy it with you know my my dogs and stuff on my couch than other people. Yeah, no, and and I totally get that too. Like we have we have created and technology has brought the home viewing experience so much closer to a theater experience now that it is nice yeah um i still hold like there's a nostalgia factor i'm sure if my last couple of trips to the theater had been awful i would start swearing off going to the theater at all but they've been good enough i can also go at like a saturday at 11 o'clock or do that you know take a half day off of work and go to a 2 2 p.m showing on a thursday yeah um so i have a couple audio clips i got to play of killer clowns before we go, because the, the, these are too good not to, um, I kind of want a dog and name him Pooh bear just because I'd forgotten that was the dog's name. And I just loved, again, it's Royal Dano. And he just says, Pooh bear. And I was like, Pooh bear who names their dog Pooh. Okay. Uh, but then when he gets upset, where's my Pooh bear. Yep. Followed, followed by one of the greater, uh, screams of pain that you'll ever hear when he grabs that, that wire. I mean, this is, this is some good work by, I don't know how much is Royal Dano in his eighties and how much is like augmented, but that's really good. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I got to Google if there were any effects on that voice or not. I don't know, but that's, that's some good stuff there. Um, this one just got me because this felt like this felt like it was bordering on an Abbott and Costello routine. Um, when Mike and Debbie are trying to talk to Dave about what happened, like the first time when they just pull up on the, on the curb and like run into the back of the squad car and get out and start talking to Dave. And they mentioned the cocoons and there's this exchange and it just cracked me up. Cocoons. Cocoons. Yes, cocoons. You know, cocoons. All right, all right, everybody, calm down. It's like, thanks, Debbie. That helped a whole lot. You know, cocoons. They'd already said it three times. You're not helping. In case you missed um, it the first two. Yeah. And then finally, I just got a couple of, uh, I've got a couple of uh, John Vernon that you can't, you can't not capture him. This, there's something about this insult I think because it's not an insult I've ever heard someone call someone else that it made it sound even worse when he looks at Mike and he recognizes who Mike is and he goes, I know you, you little fart, (laughs) you little fart. (laughs) I was like, boy, that's, that's harsh. I feel like calling someone a fart. Like I'm trying to bring back the term dork. Like, yeah. In recent, uh, road, road uh road raid whatever people do something dumb and it upsets me while i'm driving i've gotten away from like yelling you know the f word at him or just like saying anything they just go you what can you dork and then they just look so confused that i win it's the same as like if someone cuts you off you don't give them the finger you either give them a Mm. thumbs up or you just start clapping because then they're confused and angry and then i've won once again and then you can just drive away and then no harm um I also loved this when the clown walks in to the, to the station and there's, there's old officer Mooney sitting there and that clown walks in and he just, his reaction is perfect because honestly, 
how else are you going to react when like a seven foot thing walks into your police station? It's just what the goddamn to do. What do we have here? Whoop the goddamn to do. <laughs> so I just isolated that part and I'm putting it on my soundboard. Good. What the goddamn to do. And it's the to do that does it for me. It's the to do. Yeah, it's that extra half a syllable. Um, and finally, uh, I always love when a movie drops its title in the middle of it because uh, you get that wonderful roll credits moment. And this is who better than Mike, uh, than, uh, than um, John Vernon. Killer clowns from outer space. Holy shit. <laughs> no notes. Uh, Cut, print, that's a wrap. John, yep. you're great. We miss you. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. Oh, I mean, it, I will say this. Killer clowns from outer space is not the type of movie you just sit down to watch to like, uh, unless... I would have a lot. I have a lot more fun with this movie if I can sit down and watch it with some friends. It's mm-hmm. one of those kind of. It's that party movie. It's that movie you put on. You're like, we're just going to watch something, have you know, have a few drinks and watch something really dumb because mm-hmm. none of us want to think. Uh, and it's perfect yeah. for that. I don't recommend it at 8 a.m. on a Sunday when you're hungover. <laughs> no. As as how I watched no. it today. So. <laughs> no, in terms of like situations where this movie works, that's uh, very low on the list. Yeah, um, it was. Right it was pretty bad. Bottom. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad you got to see it. So you can yeah, take it off your list and now people, you can tell people, no, I've seen killer clowns. Uh, I don't need, <laughs> you know, whether, whether or not you're ever going to watch it again um, uh, is to be determined, but uh, either way, you're welcome. Um, no, thank for, you very much for finally making you do that. Um, <laughs> because I do think like movies like this exist for a reason. And I think that they are a lot of fun and that's really what it comes mm-hmm. down to. It's just a fun Dumb fun movie. Uh, we need more stuff like that to to exist. I agree. It, it it like you said, a bunch of friends on a Friday night, you know, get a case of beer or whatever, and just sit around and enjoy how bad it is, and that's what makes yeah. it good. Um, mm-hmm. Have you have you seen oh. Wolf Cop? No, I have not. Oh um, boy, but, uh, <laughs> Wolf Cop uh, Two. Like and, to. Yeah, Wolf Cop and Wolf Cop Two are. Um, they're up there, but it's they're both movies that I watched with friends, with beer, and just had a great time because they're not meant to be anything other than that. So uh, there's a time and a place for those movies, and go oh, for sure. Them. And and I do want to say um, that while I have talked glowingly a lot about Killer Clowns from Outer Space, it is not a good movie. Like from from the technical aspects of of filmmaking and storytelling, it's not good, but it is enjoyable. So there is that for it. Yeah, like um, you said earlier, it, it it wasn't made to be serious. No one mm-hmm. made this movie and were like, this is a serious movie about killer clowns from outer space with a popcorn gun. It was <laughs> always meant to be tongue-in-cheek, and it was always meant to be fun, and it did exactly what it meant to do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for being on the show. Uh, and this was uh, – I have to thank Corey again for for connecting us. Cause that was great. Now you mentioned a couple of times, Corey, um, who he's been on this show once before Corey Scott, uh, he's coming back too. I made him watch 13th world. I think that's why partly why that was on my brain was I got him to watch that and he had a good time with it. Um, but you guys did a show and you, you mentioned something about that might be coming back. Yeah. So 
Um, man, yeah, Core United podcasted here for a number of years. It was on uh, Galactic Netcasts, and then it was the Galactic Network. Um, we took kind of a break there. Just so we were dumb when we started doing it, and we're like, every week we're doing it. Every Sunday night we're recording, and then it got to be a lot. And then mm-hmm. we started to understand the merit in seasons. Um, so we kind of took a hiatus, uh, and I focused on Monster Madness, like you had mentioned, and uh, with you know just changes in life. I was like, Hey man, let's bring it back. So, uh, we're, we're rebranding it as Reve- well, revenge of the podcast, a tear or revenge of the pot. Um, and then we're going to be doing it on the monster madness Twitch channel. We're going to start recording when we do that. Um, nice. no weekly, no nothing. Just when we do them, we do them and we're just, you know, keep it fun. Cause I guess at, at our age, and I'm sure you're the same way as, uh, if it's not fun and it's work, then why am I doing it? Like, yeah. I have to go somewhere 40 hours a week to work. I don't want my my fun nighttime stuff to, to become that. So, exactly. yeah, that's uh, really looking forward to that. The first uh, season, quote unquote, is uh, sequels because the show is a sequel and we're bringing it back. Um, so we have a couple couple movies lined up. But, yeah, we're certainly going to have to have you on that. Um, oh, um, anytime. I, I, I would love to do that. Yeah. And, and I like the idea of the return of the podcast. See, you're smart. You figured out the, I'm going to do this every week thing and got away from it. I have not done that yet. This is episode 234. Yeah. I started this show 235 weeks ago. It, it, yeah, it dude, Yeah. I mean, and bless you. I was looking at your schedule and I'm like, holy <laughs> shit, this guy does so much, but, um, I, yeah, I just, I, I recognize burnout. I mean, there was, so it was a period of time up until recently. I had two jobs. I played in two bands. I helped run a wrestling company. Uh, and I had like a couple podcasts going too. So it's like, I have a problem with free time apparently. And I have a wife. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's like, yeah, you just, I, you know, reprioritize a little bit. And that's kind of where we're at now. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for me, I'm going to keep doing this show the way that I do it until it doesn't, it's no longer fun. Um, and, and it becomes work and it hasn't yep. hit that point yet. Um, it helps that I don't have, like, I live alone. I got my dog, but mm-hmm. this is a lot of my free time is doing these shows. So I do right now I've got three going with a fourth one, making its return for a final season. Um, cause we did start doing seasons for that. Um, mm-hmm. my other shows, it, I do this one every week because it's just me. And it's easy because I rotate guests in. So I don't have to force, like if I had a, a, a every time co-host, I would not make them do it weekly. Or I certainly would be like, look, if you need a week off, that's fine. You need a couple weeks off, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, it's, that's exactly what it is. It should be fun. You should, you should do these things because you enjoy them. You know, I, Mm -hmm. I am of the mindset that like work is terrible and do as little of it as possible, but do the things that fulfill you and make you feel good. If it's, if it's being in a band, if it's uh, making movies, if it's doing stop motion animation, if it's, uh, you know, whatever it is, do those things. Um, mine happens to be taking all of my free time and watching whatever random movie I'm told to watch that week. So, which I, I and God bless my wife. I love her dearly, but I kind of miss that part of that point in my life where it's like, oh, I can play video games and watch four movies in a night because <laughs> I can do whatever I want. She, she travels for work. So there's a lot of times when like she's gone for a week and I just line up movies and, and stuff to catch up on. And, and it's awesome. But yeah, so I, I completely understand that and a little jealous of you. <laughs> it has its uh, advantages and its disadvantages, but, but thank you so much for being here. This was fun. Uh, definitely going to do this again. Uh, you're welcome back anytime. Yeah, we'll find, 
find something else you haven't seen, uh, or maybe you'll make me watch Wolf Cop. Who knows? Um, I, you know what? I was just going to say, like, there's a list of like those movies that everyone's like, you should see that I haven't, and I understand that, but you just signed yourself up to watch Wolf Cop. <laughs> well, we're doing that. That's, hey, you know what? Uh, it can't be the worst thing I've ever seen, so I'm I'm all for it. No, no, <laughs> it, it's it's genuinely that, enjoyable to me. Well, that's good. That face told me a lot, though. Um, <laughs> well, but definitely, through, but. <laughs> check out uh, check out when it comes back. Return to the podcast of terror um, mm-hmm. because yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun, and I can't wait to get Corey back on here too. But we'll get you back on here. Um, this is <laughs> sat on my foot. Um, this has been a lot of fun. I record this show live uh, on Sunday nights, eight p.m. Eastern time, at twitch.tv slash TV's Travis, and then it comes out as a podcast on Wednesdays. Anywhere you get your podcasts, any podcatcher or YouTube, um, you can go there, youtube.com forward slash at TV Stravis. Uh, if you could uh, head over there and do a subscript uh, subscription to the channel, that helps boost the channel and make those visible to other people as well. It's a great sort of version of word of mouth um, or, you know, letting people know about the show. There's also a Patreon patreon.com forward slash WYHS for as little as a dollar an episode. You can help um, support the show that way. If that works for you, there's merchandise you can find at tvstravis.com. You can find the links for the merchandise, Patreon, all that kind of stuff there. All the shows that I do uh, are there as well. Back catalogs and everything. Patrons do get uh, special access on the discord as well as monthly movie catch-up nights. I go through the back catalog of 200-plus episodes that I've done. We discuss it. We pick a movie to watch. Last month was August. It was Nick Cage month, so we went back and we watched uh, Vampire's Kiss, which was so much fun. Um, I don't know what we're doing this month yet. We're working on figuring out what movie it's going to be, but those are fun once a month. Um, I've got some more video content coming soon. Patrons will get to see that first, so uh, definitely something to check out. But uh, tvstravis.com. And uh, wait, you haven't seen anywhere you get your podcasts. Matt, thank you so much for being here. This was loads and loads of fun. And uh, I can't wait to do it again. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, as we like to always say every week, enjoy your movies. And let's be excellent to each other. This has been Wait, You Haven't Seen. It's going to take a hell of a lot more than a lame prank like this to get Curtis Mooney to throw in his badge. So fuck you. Over. That's that's awesome. (laughs) Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. (laughs)